diddly Happy 4th of July. First things first. Haven't been here since the 4th, June 28th or 29th is the last time I've been here. You know where you're at, the Detroiter, Sports, Motor City, Men's State. You know the drill. Da, da, and at YMCA, it's fun to stay at the D-E-T-L-G-R-W. Let's go, Red Wings. Alex. Alex Debrinkett, Farmington Hills native, 40-goal scorer. There's a list. Find it somewhere. Ovechkin, Stamkos, Debrinkett, a couple other guys, all legends, all Hall of Famers. Debrinkett, he's on the list. Don't care that he's 5'8". Don't give. Don't care he had 66 points in Ottawa. Don't care. He played with a bum. A sack of potatoes was a centerman. You got him with Patty Kane. We don't have Patty Kane. He probably produced 40 goals, 40 goals, 70-point seasons, damn near 80. You put him with Dylan Larkin, God forbid Lucas Raymond is on the same line. The guy's going to go fucking bananas in Detroit. I can't believe Steve Eisenman did it. I can't believe the Detroit Red Wings. It. We've hit a point in my life. A point in this era, in this rebuild, again in the in the state of the franchise, where the Detroit Red Wings put their nuts on the table and said, give us a dynamic fucking player. Give us a guy that we can't just draft. Give us a guy that we can't just sign out of free agency. Give us somebody everyone else wants. We went and got Alex to bring it. Steve went and got Alex to bring it. I can't fucking believe it, dude. I've been asking for it now for at least... I started ask, asking for it around draft time. I started talking about it last year. I know that for a fact. I know that for a scientific National Geographic fact that at some point last year, maybe I didn't say last year specifically, but last year on this very podcast, we had the conversation. When are we going to do it? When are we going to do it? When are we going to go get that guy that takes the team to the next level? When are we going to make the move that says, you know what? It's been fun living in the basement. It's been fun attaching our hopes and dreams to fucking ping pong balls that don't even exist. It's been fun being the doormat of the NHL, but you know what, man? Eight years was enough. Let's try to win some hockey games again. I can't believe we've hit that point. I've been clamoring for it. And I understood. I understand. Even if Steve didn't make this move happen, even if Steve wanted to wait one more year and into the next offseason and into the next draft and et cetera, et cetera, I get it. The whole thing is, hey, this isn't going to put us over the edge to be a cup contender, obviously. This may not even put us over the edge to make a playoff appearance. I understand. Like, let's see what we have first. We've got all these prospects. We've got all these draft picks. We've got all these young guys that have made their debuts that were high on. Sider, Edvinson, Marco Casper, and the list goes on. They should be great. The Red Wings are back. Helps on the way. I get it. Let's see what we have. Let's make sure we have a little bit of a foundation. Let's make sure those guys, all of these fucking eggs we're counting on to hatch. Let's make sure that the rooster's been sitting on them. Let's make sure they're at that temperature, that incubation temperature. Let's make sure they're on pace at least. To hatch. We don't need to wait until they're fully grown ass chickens, but let's wait till the beak hits that first crack in the shell. I understood it, but it was starting to get a little bit restless. I'm sure Steve Eiserman felt it. Um, and he's more patient than I am, certainly. I'm sure he's more patient than you are. He's probably more patient than 99.9% of invested Red Wings fans are when it comes to both this rebuild and making moves like he just did for Debrinket. He's been sitting and waiting and plotting and torturing guys like Pierre Dorian. You think you're going to get a haul from Steve Eiserman? 
the Brinkett went to you. It was just a one-off random deal. He wanted to push Ottawa into the playoffs. He was never going to resign there. It was a let's see what happens this season. Not shit did. You thought you were going to get a haul for a guy who wasn't going to resign for a guy who not only, not only was not going to resign with you, but everybody knew you weren't going to pay. You thought you were going to get a bag for him. And then, you know, we know Steve knows DeBrinket wants to come to Detroit. The hometown kid wants to go home. You think you're going to get a haul at that? You think you're going to get a Lucas Raymond? You think you're going to get a Mo Sider, Simon Edvinson, Marco Casper? You really think you're going to get one of those guys? And I'll be honest, Ottawa fans, I think in NHL circles, I think even some Red Wings fans, Jonathan Bergeron, Jonathan, Jonathan, he might have been a piece of the puzzle, which would have been unfortunate because he debuted last year, looked like he belonged in the NHL. Again, another one of these guys who's young. He was pretty productive last year, getting third-line minutes, not a ton of responsibility or opportunity, and he still performed. He had some flashes. He showed a couple little bit where it's like, this guy can play, Mac. This guy can put the puck away. This guy knows where he's supposed to be on an NHL sheet of ice. You thought you were even going to get him, and somehow Steve Eiserman pulls this shit off. We didn't give away one. We didn't give away one of the marquee prospects. All we've heard since Steve Eiserman took over, what was it, 2018, 2019? Was that when Steve Eiserman took over like four years ago? Something like that. All we've heard since that day is how he's building the pipeline. We've got the prospects. We've got the picks. You thought we've had, we have so many of those guys stockpiled, especially you look at blue liners. We've got so many defensemen and Sabrango ended up being the odd man out in this situation, but we've got high end guys, right? Donovan Sabrango, he might be, you know, five, six, fifth, sixth defender on an NHL team someday. I don't think he's ever going to be a marquee guy. I don't think he's ever going to be someone you're hitching your wagon to on the blue line for an NHL club. Who knows? I could be wrong. You would think, though, we would have had to get maybe not Mo Sider, but a Simon Edvinson, maybe. William Wallinder, maybe. Albert Johansson, maybe. You would think we would have had to give one of these guys where it's like we're fucking earmarking those boys for top four blue liners at some point. And he somehow got away without doing any of them. Dominic Kubalik, who knows if he would have re-signed. Yeah. Yeah, he was pretty nice for Detroit last year. Got injured, but when he was healthy, he was pretty nice. He was a decent goal scorer. Not to the extent Alex Debrinkit is, but he could find the net a little bit. He was, you know, he got hot, he got cold, he got hot. When he was hot, he was scoring. But he's a guy who knows if he would have re-signed. Not a part of the master plan. The definition of expendable, Dominic Kubalik. Have fun in Ottawa. Donovan Sabrango, another guy. Might be an NHLer, might be a quality NHLer. He's been in the system for a while. I know he's another guy. Like, he isn't Sider or Edmondson or some of these other dudes, but he's a guy you'll hear his name pop up. He's a guy you'll hear talk about, oh, he might be a player in Grand Rapids, in Detroit in a year or two, whatever it is. Don't need him. Another dude, expendable. Logjam of defenders. We don't need Donovan Sabrango. You can take him too. We've got two first-round picks this year. You're going to have one of them. Steve Eisenman's going to choose. Guess what? One of those picks is Boston's. They'll probably be better than us. You can have that one. That guy's going to be a nobody. And then I believe it was a fourth-round pick on top of all of that. We essentially gave away Tyler Bertuzzi, which he was expiring. We weren't going to sign him long-term. Tyler Bertuzzi, free, rental-type thing. That pick we got back for him. Dominic Kubalik, take him. Don't give a fuck. And Donovan Sabrango in a fourth. Ab so fucking loot Lee for Alex Debrinkit. For a guy who scored 40 goals twice. 
for a guy who scored 40 goals twice in his career. Those dudes don't grow on trees, my friends. You don't find Alex DeBrinkett. I don't give a fuck if he's four foot two. He scored 40 goals in the National Hockey League two times. Two times he scored 40 goals in the National Hockey League. I don't give a fuck if he was playing with Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, Patrick Kane's unbelievable. Yeah, we don't have a guy like him. Dylan Larkin's pretty damn good. Maybe he's not going to hit that 76, 78-point mark with Dylan Larkin. Maybe he doesn't score 40 goals with Dylan Larkin. Maybe he does, though. Wouldn't be surprised if he at least hits 30, maybe 35. You put another guy like Lucas Raymond, a playmaker, a scorer, a guy who's just going to contribute, he's going to complement those other two very nicely. I don't know. He might score 40 again. He's a guy that the Red Wings have been missing since Pavel Datsuk was on the team. He's a guy that you can't just go get willy-nilly. Like a lot of Red Wings fans, I had the tape. When was the draft? Like a month ago? And I came on here. I made the videos. I went on Twitter. And I go, look, Steve gave that quote. And I trust Steve. I'm not sitting here saying I know more about hockey than Steve Eiserman. I had some fucking losers in the DMs. I think I addressed this on one of the episodes too where it's like, dude, I started doing this podcast because it's fun to just talk about sports. It's fun to talk about hypotheticals. It's fun to get excited when teams like the Red Wings go get 40 goal scorers like Alex to break it. Like, it's fun. It's entertaining. I like when I hang out with my friends who are from Detroit and we talk about the Red Wings, even the fucking Pistons, the Lions, Michigan State, the Tigers. It's fun on a Saturday afternoon. Shit's not happening, sitting on the couch, and we'll just talk about sports. It's fun. It's fun when I go to the gym and I wear a Lions hat and some stranger comes up to me and goes, hey, how about this here? And we talk about sports for 10 minutes. It's fun. For whatever reason, the internet, people just don't act like they actually would in real life. Um, obviously, I'm a little over the top on the internet. I'm a little over the top in person, though, to be quite honest with you. But I think I talk to people like a normal person. Like, who trolls in real life? Who troll? Who Who's like a dick like people are on the internet? You think you, think you know more than Steve Eiserman? Are you an idiot? No one in a million fucking years is saying that to somebody in person. Drives me nuts a little bit. But anyways, this isn't the point. It's a happy day. We're talking about the Brinkett. Steve Eiserman did it. I made the point. I made the videos. I talked about it like a month ago. Steve Eiserman gave that quote around the draft. I don't think this team's ready to make the jump. We're going to sit pat. If something comes along that it's too good to, to pass on, we'll do it. But at the moment, I don't feel like we're quite at that point where we're going to go for it, where we're ready to like make a move. We're not just building a team to make a playoff appearance. We're building a team to make multiple playoff appearances, to win playoff series, to win a Stanley Cup at some point. That takes time. That takes patience. Fine. I talked about it. At some point, though, at some point, though, you do have to make that move, Steve. Because at some point, guys like Alex Tabrinkit are not just available. They aren't just around. Teams aren't looking to just get rid of them all the time. You can't get a guy like Alex Debrinkit that actually wants to come play for the Detroit Red Wings more than any other team in the league. That doesn't happen very frequently. And yeah, maybe they don't have to trade for him. You get to hold on to a couple guys, a couple picks, and we'll take our chances and try and sign him in free agency. Well, here's the deal. We got him four years under 8 million. It's like 7.8 a year. He goes to free agency. Someone, some dumbass team, 
the Buffalo Sabres. I don't fucking know. Somebody is going to Alex DeBrinket and going, you want nine mil a year for 10 years? Not 10 years. You want nine mil a year for seven? You want nine mil a year for eight? Somebody, some team out there is making the Columbus Blue Jackets. You want 10 mil a year for six years? Some team out there is making him a godfather offer where no matter how frequently the Brinkett wore Red Wings PJs when he was a kid, no matter how much he loved watching Pavel Datsuk, no matter how vividly he remembers the Wings winning the Cup in 08, if he's going to make two, three million extra dollars a year, if he's going to have two, three extra years on that contract, he'll go be a Florida fucking Panther instead of a Detroit Red Wing. That's a risk that would have been taken, even though he wants to play in Detroit, even though Eiserman's a guy who's tough to say no to. That's a risk you're taking. That's a risk that if someone offers him $9 million for seven years and Steve Eiserman's sitting there at less than eight for four, he's just not going to come. This is It's their livelihood. He's making money for his family, for his kids, for his kids' kids. He's just not going to come at that point. Plain and simple. It is what it is. So when you have the opportunity to trade for him, and now he's either going to sign with you or he's not going to sign at all. And there's the, you know, it's Steve Eiserman. He's not making the trade unless he knows the Brinkett's going to sign a contract that Steve likes. When that opportunity arises, you, I'd like to say you seize it, but at the very least, you got to strongly fucking consider it. And I made a bit of a stink because he gave that quote talking about how we're not ready. Someone asked him about the break and he said, we're not ready. I don't know if we want to make the, make the jump. This isn't quite the time. And I was sitting there like, what the fuck? What the fuck, man? When is the time? When is, I get Ken Holland did some fucked up stuff before he left. I get it. The first couple of years of Steve Eiserman's job wasn't really building. It was tearing down and then rebuilding. I get it. I get it. Takes time. We're Stanley Cups, not just playoffs. I get it. The Brinkets don't come around every once in a while. The guys who score 40 goals and want to play in Detroit don't come around that often and are willing to sign the deal that he did. Now, would he have done that if it was the Toronto Maple Leafs that had come calling and Detroit never said a word? I don't know. Did he take a hometown discount? I don't know. It kind of seems like it. It kind of seems like it, not only in the AAV, but also the term four years. I got, what is he? 27 years old, four years. He took a, a, in his prime, the money-making years, the years you signed that Wierenski contract, eight years, $72 million total. He took a four-year deal. That seems that seems a little bit like a hometown deal. I don't know if it was. That seems he's 25 years old. He could have gotten a seven, probably eight-year deal. He could have guaranteed the rest of his playing career. He could have locked up, what, is going to be a $32 million contract? He could have locked up 60 mil, 70 mil, no fucking problem. Took four years for 32. I don't know if Steve Eiserman is that fucking good at negotiating that he has these guys forgetting what they even came there to do in the first place, or if he took a hometown discount. But when you have the opportunity, you strike while the iron's hot, and I'm so happy Steve did. I had those people say, you know more? You think you know more than Steve? No. Um, is it okay to question somebody? Is that okay? Because at the time, and this still remains, although I love the move and the contract and all that, and we're going to be better this year for many reasons. Sprong, who else? Comfer. Um, these young guys hopefully take another step. Maybe a few more join the fray. Maybe Marco Casper's up here for damn near a full season. We'll see. The team should be better all around. Rasmussen's back. Everybody notch it when you added the Brinkett, when you added Comfer, when you added Sprong. Everybody gets to notch down a little bit more and play more where they belong. 
you get a guy like the Brinkett who's more creative, who, who is a bit more of a playmaker, who is more of a goal scorer for sure. That's only going to help Dylan Larkin. That's only going to help Lucas Raymond or whoever the other winger is. They are going to be better. They are going to be more competitive. They are going to be heavier in the playoff run. They are going to score more points. All of that stuff. Steve, that said, there's still really nothing to show for the tenure. And I'm not, uh, this is not, this is, hold your horses here. Anybody slamming the steering wheel, anybody letting out swear words in front of their child on the way to school. This isn't, I'm not like, what the hell is Steve done? This is just, well, I'm pointing this out. All the people who came at my throat where I was questioning it when Steve seemed uninterested in Alex, all the people coming at my throat, look, even though he did trade for Debrinket and he did get him on a great fucking contract, he's still like the Red Wings haven't done anything since he took over. Like that still is true. They haven't won shit. They haven't played a meaningful game after St. Patrick's day since he took over. I think they will this year, as I just said, but like on the ice, as far as the game is the actual game, they haven't done anything. So I was a little confused when the Debrinket rumors were swirling. We were coming up to draft time, but a time, you know, where it seems like this is when a deal would get made. Steve Eiserman's giving quotes like, yeah, yeah, I don't really think so. And I'm just asking the question, like, Steve, buddy, at what point are you going to make a fucking move? Because the time, like, from the draft this past year for the next year, that this is like the window where you make a move like he just did. I understand we're building through the draft. We want to see what we got with these young guys. I get it. Yes, I do. I do. I do. But it's the point I made then. The The point still remains true. A lot of these guys we drafted, like you are hoping and praying one of these dudes becomes an Alex Debrinkit. You know what I'm saying? Like Simon Edmondson, it, he's had a great development so far, right? He's a big boy. He can skate. He was great in Sweden. Like you're praying he's Mo Sider. You know what I mean? Like some of Marco Casper, he's feisty little guy. You know, he played a debut in his first year. That's pretty good stuff. You're praying. You are praying to God. He becomes a guy like Dylan Larkin. And Dylan Larkin, Alex Debrinkit are very good players. Very good players. They're not like the cream to the creme. They're not Connor McDavid. They're not Nathan McKinnon. They're not Jason Robert. Like they're not those guys. They're not top 10 guys in this league. And you are praying these draft picks and these prospects become those guys. But when we have one of those dudes in a prime hockey playing age of 25 readily available, and he wants to come to Detroit and our general manager says, yeah, I don't really, nah, not, not, not interested. And I ask a question like, why the fuck wouldn't we be interested in people jumped on my throat? I don't understand. I don't, I didn't understand it. Then it makes sense. Now, surely it was a trades tactic. Steve knew what he was doing all along. He was investigating. He was inquiring. He was inquisiting, inquisitive. I guess that would be inquiring. But he, you know, he was on the case all along. I was just, it's funny looking back, like the internet, the internet's hilarious. <laughs> like nobody, nobody ever admits they're wrong. All of these people that were trying to roast me when I put out those videos of like, what the fuck, Steve, why would we not be interested? I said, and I hope to God this is a trade tactic, but if it isn't, what is going on here? When do we, like, you get, the point is to win games, not stockpile assets. And I had people, what do you know? I Don't talk hockey. I hate when you talk hockey. You think you're smarter than Steve Eisman? I had multiple people saying that. Where the fuck are they now? Those people aren't saying sorry. Those people aren't saying, yeah, you were right. Those people aren't like, he was thinking the same way you were. Where the fuck are those guys now?
but it's all good. I forgive those people. Um, they just had a moment of weakness. They were being ignorant. They didn't know what they were talking about. It's okay. Steve got it done. Steve did it. The Red Wings got a premier goal scorer. The Red Wings filled the most massive gap the franchise has had since I was in high school, maybe even before that. They brought a hometown kid home. They got him on an insane fucking contract that's going to allow them to build even further. If they wanted to fuck around and make an offer for a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko, they could do it. I don't think they will. I think this is probably enough for one offseason, especially like even though that quote may have been and it seems like it was a trade tactic, I do think there is not only truth to it, but I do think Steve believes it as far as like, Brinkett makes us better. We are going to be better. We are going to compete for a playoff spot. Hopefully we make it. It remains to be seen. I don't know. We're certainly not a shoo-in. But I do still think there is truth. And Steve believes that, like, I don't know. I don't, we're not ready. We're definitely not ready to make the jump to try and like win shit. This is our jump to be competitive. This was our jump to, I think, like build a little bit of that foundation. And that was the other reason I wanted a guy like the Brinkett and wanted. Steve to make a splash. This is our jump, our effort at building a culture that isn't based on losing. Like I grew up, if you grew up, if you're over the age of 15, 16, like you, eh, maybe a little, maybe like 18, you grew up with the Red Wings being great. The Red Wings dominated. The Red Wings were in the playoffs every year. You grew up with the Detroit Red Wings being synonymous with success. If you're under that age, you grew up with the Red Wings being a laughingstock. You grew up with the Red Wings hoping for lottery picks. You grew up with the Red Wings losing. Um, same goes for these guys on the fucking team. I mean, even the captain, Dylan Larkin, all he's ever known is losing. Made the playoffs his rookie year, got smoked. All he ever known in a Detroit Red Wings uniform is getting his ass kicked. I know the division's going to be tough. I know you don't get points for finishing one point out of a playoff spot. I know that doesn't, there's no reward for that. I get it. But with the lottery luck we've had, and unless we're going to get a generational guy at one, one, like a Connor Bedard at some point I do much like college football, much like the NFL. I do think it matters. The Pistons are starting to get to that point. Fucking the tigers, but God, God love them. I don't know what will ever happen to them at some point. Like you do need to, make an effort to change the attitude of the franchise. Even if this doesn't lead to a playoff season, at least it'll be a season where we are doing everything we can to make the playoffs. At least it'll be a season where we are hanging around. At least it'll be a season where we are viably there for a playoff spot. Like Moritz Sider plays meaningful hockey games in the month of April. April. Lucas Raymond feels an elevated level of intensity from night one this year like at least that will be around the franchise again because it has been so goddamn long since it's felt like the red wings were even within striking distance of anything and now with this the brinket move not only does it feel like we're within striking distance it feels like if things go the right way it feels like if a couple of these crucial players take a step feels like if we get goaltending feels like if we get injury luck people stay healthy Fuck striking distance. It feels like the Red Wings could make the playoffs for the first time in eight years. That's what it feels like, and it's a beautiful thing. And Alex Dabrinkit, the best part is this is only the beginning. This is year one of that window being cracked. Tiptoe through the garden where the wind blows.
blows. This is year one of Insidious. The movie's just starting. This is year one. There are going to be other pieces added. There might be next offseason, the following, who knows, in the middle of the year. There are going to be other guys like the Brinkett added to this team. Hopefully, one of, if not all, of Lucas Raymond and these guys become an Alex Debrinkit level player. Like, this is just the beginning of the competitive Steve Eiserman Red Wings. This is, Alex Debrinkit is part of this foundation. He's going to help build the culture. He's going to help this team get back to the playoffs. If four years go by, we're winning playoff series. He's putting up 80 points a year, scoring 40. He might be here for another four. We'll see what happens. But this year, this is the beginning. It is a sign. It is a commitment. It is a change in the mentality of the Detroit Red Wings, a long-awaited change, and something that, you know, in my life, in my head, has always been associated with the Red Wings, or I've always thought should be, which is success, which is excellence, which is victory, which is competing and being at the highest level and winning playoff series. It is a revival, a restoration, a renaissance of the Detroit Red Wings. Um I, I fucking I can't believe they actually did it. I thought I was getting to the point where I was like, dude, I hear about how it's a, it's Detroit, Elliot Friedman. It's Detroit every day. Nothing happens. Okay, I don't fucking care anymore until it does. And it did, and it's a great number, and it's great term, and the return was unbelievable. I wish the season started tomorrow. I can't wait. I fucking love Steve Eiserman. I'm in. I was never out. I was just asking the question. And turns out, dude, I'm not smarter than Steve Eisman, but hey, wouldn't you know it? We were thinking the same way all along. So I appreciate your apologies. The Brinkett's a Red Wing. Quick break. We'll be right back. Two more topics. Nothing crazy. We'll get out of here quickly. Um, All-Star Thompson, Summer League. Two games have been played. Today is Tuesday. I don't know if the Pistons play again tonight. I'm not watching. I got the all-star game on right now. Tatis just hit a ding, ding, uh, but two games. All-star Thompson. Now, I haven't watched a goddamn minute. (laughs) I haven't even – I couldn't tell you what days those games were on. I didn't even realize they were playing the summer league. Uh, Even when I did find out they're playing the summer league, didn't consider looking up when the Pistons played. Haven't watched a minute. Man of integrity. I like to be honest. Honesty is the best policy. Haven't watched a second of a game, but I, you know what I have watched? I've gone on Twitter. I've scrolled through Twitter. I've watched a couple highlights. I've watched a couple of reels of Osar Thompson making plays. I get it. I know it's the summer league and I know their highlights. I, look, dude, there is nobody on the planet earth that you got to like hold your horses with the Pistons less than me. There is nobody you got to talk off a ledge with the Pistons less than me, dude. I am not even close to crowning them to be anything. I'm I'm not even close to crowning them being not the worst team in the NBA. I I dude, the Pistons are the fucking worst, bro. I get it. I understand it. But every time I talk about them, it's sad. Every time I think about them, it's negative. Every time I hear about them, it's bad. This Osar Thompson, and I know it's first-year guys. I know it's second-year guys. I know it's summer league, so it's fake basketball. Everyone's young. They're fucking around. I know. Dude, he looks kind of sweet, though. I know their highlights. I know they don't make 
Pistons Twitter people don't make fucking two-minute clips of him turning the ball over and missing threes. I know. I get it. I know. They don't show the Osar Thompson flame emoji as he gets driven to the rack and scored on. I know. But, dude, I fucking like him. I kind of like the way he plays, bro. It reminds me of the highlight clips I've seen, like the three minutes on Twitter that I've seen of this guy play. It's Aaron Henry a little bit. Just athletic as fuck. Sick in transition. Great passer. Great passer. I didn't know he could do that. Threw a couple. There's one. He's running transition. Just throws a BB down the seam. It was either to Stewart or Duran. I think it was Duran, but I can't remember for sure. Another one, I've, there were three of them running in transition. Ivy throws it up to uh, Osar, and Osar kind of like no look, bounce passes it, drops off to Durant. Sick fucking play. Sick pass. Um, there's another one. He just takes a guy off the dribble left. Easy. Two points. There's another one. There's another pass one, I swear. J- him and Ivy, give and go. Alley-oop. Osar skies, finishes it. No fucking problem. There's another clip I saw of him taking a steal. Like, Dude, he another clip of him just high pointing a rebound over the other team's big. He does it's Aaron Henry vibes. Like he'll rebound. He's gonna run. He can get to the rack. I haven't seen any clips of him making threes. I will say that I've heard the shots been not so great, and he's supposed to be the better shooting of the twins. So we'll see about that. He's got time. He's got a little bit more of the offseason. He's got coaching. He's still like 19 or 20 or whatever the fuck he is. He's got time to figure out the shot. But everything else I have seen. I enjoy. I enjoy guys who are good at passing. That's like my number one. Unless you're, I don't know, LeBron or Giannis and you just score 40 a night. My favorite trait in a basketball player is a guy who is sweet at passing. Already, two summer league games also are very fucking good. Like, shockingly good. Like, knows where guys are going to be. That Duran play, eyes in the back of his head, just knows someone's trailing. Very good finding shooters in the corner off a drive. He's been very fucking good at distributing. Is that the Pistons' biggest need when they already have Cade Cunningham, when they already have Jaden Ivey? Probably not, but I don't think All-Star Thompson's going to start. He's going to be on the floor without Cade Cunningham, without Jaden Ivey, so he may have a little bit more responsibility and a little bit more a leash to kind of fuck around and try and make stuff happen on his own. I love a guy that plays defense. That's a big thing the Pistons have been missing. I know Cade plays... Ivy's athletic, but we've been missing a guy, a wing, a tall, lanky dude, athletic, who can guard anyone. All-Star Thompson seems like he'll be able to be that guy. He needs to add some strength. We kind of thought Sadiq would be that guy, and then I think, from what I understand, he regressed a little bit defensively over the last year or two. All-Star needs to add some weight. He's still a thin guy. Like I said, he's 19, so not a big deal, but he'll defend any position, anybody, He's athletic enough to go to -to toe-to-toe with anybody. He's long enough to contest shots. He's going to be a defender. He can rebound. Again, athletic, jumps, lanky, is willing, is energetic, is hustling to go get rebounds over the other team's big. He's sick in transition. He's fast. He's explosive. He can elevate. He's not afraid to go to the rim. He's not afraid to get off the ground when he meets you at the rim. He's not afraid to throw a risky pass like, he plays for two games. It is the summer league. Everyone else is 19, 20, 21 years old. Dude, for two games, fucking good. Pretty good. Like, looks very comfortable playing basketball. And the best part is, it's not like Cade. It's not even like Ivy, where when these guys came in, and it'll be the same thing next year, but Cade as a rookie was like, all right, dude, we fucking need you to do stuff or we're going to lose all the games. 
even Ivy last year, especially when Cade went out, it's like, all right, Jaden, we need you to be a menace or we're going to lose every fucking night. Like all-stars not even have to deal with that. It's going to be, look, pick the game up at your own pace. Learn to shoot the three when you're open, take the shot, make some of them, make them respect you. You'll be able to go to the rim easier, take care of the basketball, play good defense and hustle. Kate will do the rest. Ivy will do the rest. Duran's going to come along. Boyan will make shots. Like we don't need the guy to be anything crazy. We don't need the guy to be what Cade was in his rookie year. We don't need the guy to be what Ivy had to be last year. I like the flashes from All-Star Thompson. Now, like, that's great. That's great. Even, let's say, All-Star Thompson has a great rookie year. He averages 15 points, seven rebounds, three assists. He has a great rookie year. If the Pistons win 22 games again, who gives a fuck, right? At some point, these guys got to come along. At some point, having guy, everyone tells me how great Cade is. Everyone, and I love Cade. I think Cade's the injury sucked when he did play. I do think he's a winning player. Everyone tells me how great Duran is. I haven't watched a ton of him. I've seen the highlights. He is a freak. He's 18. Everyone tells me how great Ivy is. The list goes on and on. We have all this cap space. We have all these assets. All-Star seems like he might be a guy. He seems like he at least has the potential to be one. I just listened to JJ Reddick on his podcast talking about Osar Thompson. And he goes, outside of Wemby, this dude may have as high of a ceiling as anybody in the draft. Like he's already showing impressive feel. He's saying all the stuff I said, and I couldn't agree more. If we got all these guys, all these sick young players, if they're that sick, we should, we should win at some point. So we'll see. I just wanted to spend a couple minutes on Osar because surprisingly, I didn't know shit about him when the Pistons took him. Um, watch overtime elite basketball. I don't watch the NBA. I didn't know anything about him when the stones took him. I know Pistons Twitter liked him, And of course that we could have taken Oscar, the fucking grouch. And they would have been like, this guy's a menace on the low block. He doesn't move the post. Everybody was gassing him up, but I, I, dude, I get it. Two games. Two clips were the highlights. I fucking get it, dude. He looks pretty sweet. So I'm excited to watch him play. I'm excited. I'm excited for opening night, at least. I'm excited for hopefully the first few. I'm excited to see what the Pistons look like with all these guys in uniform, healthy, and on the floor. So we'll see what happens. All right, last one. Last topic. Now, this is one that I could probably go on for about half hour for. I don't want to do that because I'm starving and I want to go outside and do a little bit of cardio before I make dinner. I'm so hungry. God damn it. The MSU recruiting. I just want to clear the air on where I stand. Okay. Everybody. So I went to Michigan state. I love Michigan state. I'm riding with Mel Tucker. I believe in Mel Tucker. I have not even thought about jumping ship. That said, much like Steve, I've asked a couple of questions. I've wondered a couple of things. The recruiting and the MSU fan base and the the internet, the MSU Twitter, the MSU parades, when anybody even whispers the words Michigan State. I just want, I need one thing to be clear, okay? All of these guys that say, that are committed to MSU, that want to come play football, that's fucking awesome. I'm happy for them. It's great that they want to play at State. I hope they come here, are two-time All-Americans, first-round draft picks, win Rose Bowls and go to the league and win Super Bowls. I hope that for all of them. I'm happy for all of them. I don't want to diminish. They're fucking 17, dude. It's crazy. I feel like I'm 17. I'm 26. I legit feel like I'm 17. 
I don't want or 18. I don't want to shit on these guys. I don't want to be like, why are we celebrating him? He's only a three star. That's fucked up. I don't want to do that. I just want to make people aware, like Michigan State. Everyone celebrate. David Stone takes a visit. People act like we won the Big Ten. Those linebackers from the West Coast, we get a crystal ball for them. They, one of them, the one who had the crystal ball to state, he went to Oregon. The other one, Matuti, that MSU was in the running for, committed to Oregon today. These guys say the word Michigan State. In an article, I was blown away by Michigan State and MSU fans retweeting, acting like we're the greatest thing that's ever happened to college football. I get it. I get a lot of it satirical. I get it. People are excited. My whole thing with the MSU recruiting is, yes, like we should. It's great that these guys want to come play. And, yes, when you get a Nick Marsh, a top 200, top 100, depending what you look at, freak who's for sure going to be a good player and is for sure going to be a difference maker and is probably going to be an NFL draft pick, knock on wood, assuming he never gets injured. Yeah, it's good to celebrate those guys. But we have to understand, we have to understand, as much as we want to celebrate and puff out our chest and talk about how great Mel Tucker is and Tuck's coming and MSU's making a run and we're heating up, we have to understand two things. One, there's 12 commits in the class and we're ranked in the 40s maybe even the 50s overall. I know we only have 12. I know we'll hopefully add like 10 more. We're ranked 40-something. There's like two four-stars in the class. I get we had a handful of people commit in the month of June. We've got, we're ranked in the 40s. We've got two four-stars. Let's rely. Oh, they're underrated. Let's not do the shit that we did with Antonio. That's all I'm asking. Let's not do the shit that we did with Antonio. Don't downplay him. He's an underrated guy. He should be higher. It's because he's from Rhode Island. Okay. This is what we said with Mark. This is what do we, has everyone like forgotten? I had this happen a few times the other day. I'm like, it's cool that these guys are committing, but we're acting like three stars or top 200 guys. We're acting like everybody in the class is Nick Marsh. We're the, the guys committing other than Nick Marsh, other than Anthony Carey. Like they're like D'Antonio guys. And we're partying like it's never happened before. All I'm saying, I don't want to diminish it or be a dick. Don't like, don't forget where we just were a couple of years ago. Don't forget where we were in 2019. Don't forget where we were when the D'Antonio era was coming to a screeching halt. Don't forget why that was happening. Yeah, some of it was because of the stale coaching staff and his stubbornness with them. But a lot of it was he just like, they didn't give a fuck. He just mailed it. He was finishing with classes in the 40s. Like, let's not forget what the downfall of the D'Antonio era was. It wasn't like some hurricane came and washed away all our good players. It, we just didn't recruit. We just didn't recruit. And you can say they were underrated. They're Ohio guys who are a little more motivated. They're hometown. You can say whatever you want. Le'Veon Bell was a two-star. You can say whatever to justify getting lower-ranked guys. Those lower-ranked guys are why the D'Antonio era ended the way that they did, the way that it did. It's just a fact. So it, it, I have a hard time as my, I love MSU. I'm with Mel. We got a long way to go in this recruiting cycle. It might finish top 20. Who fucking knows? Is it on pace to finish top 20? No. Will it? Maybe. Is it going? Does it look like it will? Fucking no. I just want it to finish top 25. I'll be satisfied with that. But let's not act like Mel pulling these three stars is anything crazy. 
poll, like being happy with three stars and talking about how they're underrated and saying there's bias against MSU. That's the exact shit. That's the exact shit that was happening when Mark D'Antonio was losing the reins. That's it. That's one of my things with the MSU recruiting. Like, I don't want to piss in your cereal. Be excited. But don't, don't try to sell me shit and tell me it's steak or whatever the fucking expression is. Don't, don't lose sight of what was going on when we were down bad. Don't lose sight of why Mel Tucker was hired in the first place. Because we were being satisfied with guys ranked in the 800s and 900s and 1000s and not ranked at all. Don't forget that that's where we were. Okay. That's the first thing. The second thing, it's great. Nick Marsh, like I said, is going to be a sick player. It's good to celebrate those guys. Absolutely. Anthony Carey has 40 offers, wants to come from Florida to state. Awesome. Again, Mel Tucker was brought in. Mel Tucker gets paid more than fucking all of the other coaches, essentially, to recruit. Yeah, we won 11 games in 2021. Yeah, you got to give him that. It was awesome. Yeah, he found K-9. Yeah, he's found Jacoby Winman, stud. Yes, he's done some things. Look, we went 5-7 and seven last year. Mel Tucker, we were going to be bad. That 2021 season, as awesome as it was, we were supposed to be bad then. Mel Tucker wasn't exactly paid the 9.5 to win a bunch of games right away. Mel Tucker was paid the 9.5 in large part to recruit, to bring a caliber of athlete to Michigan State that Mark D'Antonio wasn't. Like Mel was brought in to get a guy like Nick Marsh. Let's not forget that. So it's good to celebrate. But again, like people going over the top, acting like we're fucking back. This guy's the man. He can do no wrong. Mel Tucker gets paid more than almost every other coach in college football. And this isn't a slight. I can already feel people on Twitter losing their minds. I can't even talk about Michigan State football without, like, just saying something that isn't extremely overly positive and people are going to come from my throat. Mel gets paid more than almost every other coach in the country to bring in guys like Nick Marsh. It's not like he's doing some shit we couldn't even imagine. It's not like he's getting guys, what? This guy's getting him? How the hell is he doing that? You're paying him like a guy who's routinely supposed to go do that. That's the thing. Dylan Williams, we got the crystal ball. He's going to Oregon. Kamar Matuti, top 200 linebacker from California. Us, Washington, Oregon. He's staying out there. He's going to go to Oregon. It's great. We got Nick Marsh. We've missed on a handful of guys. We've missed on a handful of guys. A lot of them to Oregon. To Zedavian Sims, top 200 defensive lineman. Us. Oregon, Oklahoma. He's going to Oregon. We've missed on some guys. I know you're not going to get all of them. You should get some of them. He's making $9.5 million a year. He's making more than any other coach, almost any other coach in the country. His whole thing is recruiting. He's the guy who said, if you can't recruit at Michigan State, you probably just can't recruit. I know he's not going to get everybody. He should be getting guys like Nick Marsh. Home, hometown kid, MSU was his dream growing up. His mom loves the school. You should get a guy like Nick Marsh. Celebrate. I'm happy he's here. It's awesome. That's not like Mel Tucker going above and beyond and doing the unthinkable. That's Mel Tucker doing exactly what the people who gave him that money thought he should do. And I'm not saying he should go get every West Coast linebacker known to mankind. I'm not saying he should be able to pull every four-star player he's in the running for. That shit's impossible. Not even Nick Saban does it. But what I am saying is we throw the parades. We get the Nick Marsh and everyone freaks out and tucks the best. And he's had a plan all along and we're on fire and MSU recruiting can't be touched. 
we're sitting in the 40s. We've got 12 guys in the class. We still have missed on far more high-end talent than we've landed. The one guy we have landed, the two guys, Anthony Carey, that's a great pickup. And then the other guy we landed, MSU was his dream school. He was committed for a time before. He's living in your backyard. Great. You got him over Penn State, Pitt, and Kansas. You didn't go out and beat Ohio State, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Georgia. Penn State, that's a tough – they're good. They're sweet. They're good at recruiting. They have a top-10 class. Yep, good job. Very good job beating them. They were the favorite, and we came back. Very good job. Pitt, Kansas, I, I all I'm saying is let's just pump the brakes. I still believe in Mel. He has absolutely done a good job. The first two years, nothing I can say – We'll make that untrue. He absolutely has done a good job. Top 25 classes, that's very good. Like I've said before, top 25, I'm happy. Top 25, very good. Top 15, fucking great. Top 15, if he pulls in a top 15 class when it, while he's at MSU, great, dude. That is great. If he goes top 10, that is like, wow. Wow, I can't believe he's doing that. Top 15 is borderline, like fucking A. Top 20, I'd be like, this, now we're cooking. Now, Mel Tucker, that's a very good job. We're sitting in the 40s. we got 12 guys in the class. The problem with the last class, we missed on the high-end talent. We waited too long. We didn't have enough guys. And even if we fill this class with 10 more people and it sits at 22 total and 18 of them are three stars, well, how far have we really come from D'Antonio? That's all I'm saying. The recruiting. I'm riding with Mel. I don't mean to be negative. I don't want to piss on the parade, but like, you know, I know we, we want to get excited for our guys and I know we want to create the momentum, but like, he's like the first two years, he's done what he's supposed to this year. Getting Nick Marsh is what you're supposed to do. He's missed on the others. He's missed on the others. We're all excited over David Stone. I don't feel great about David Stone coming to Michigan State. I don't. If he got him, that'd be incredible. Best recruiting job probably in the history of Michigan State outside of Duffy Dougherty. I don't think he's going to come to State. Maybe. We'll see. But he's missed on high-end talent. He's missed on more of it than he's gotten. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And there will be more. More four-stars will join a fray. Maybe a five-star will, like we said. There will be more in all of that. All I'm saying is, like, I don't know, dude. I just I fear becoming what we've hated. MSU fans, the entire D'Antonio era, the first two years of Mel, we've always sat here and gone, these Michigan fans, dude, puffing their chest and celebrating recruiting wins. These Michigan fans winning off-season trophies, talking about how they're going to beat State, trying to clown State because they're pulling top 15 classes and ours are in the 30s. These fucking Michigan fans, yeah, they beat us in the recruiting. They can't beat us on the field. These fucking Michigan fans, we've always talked shit about that to them. That's always been the thing. God, I can't stand how they do that. Hasn't it? Am I wrong about that? And now I'm seeing before my eyes, Michigan State fans become that. Celebrating recruiting wins like we've, we're winning something. Talking shit in recruiting like we're doing something Michigan isn't. Talking about recruiting like we didn't just go five and seven. And the only difference is those recruiting battles Michigan was celebrating were guys like Jabril Peppers and Rashawn Gary, top five, top 10 players in the country. Those are the offseason championships they were winning, right? And they were still going out and winning eight, nine, 10, 11 games regularly. 
the recruiting battles we're celebrating, our offseason championships, are guys who are ranked 196th. It's a dude who grew up in Detroit, and MSU was his dream school, and he decommitted once. And we just went five and seven. I just fear becoming what we've always, at least what I've always hated. I fear becoming the thing we've always made fun of. I fear becoming the thing we always said we weren't. Yeah, you guys can recruit, but at least we went on the field. And now it's like Michigan's recruiting and winning and not fucking big. And now it's like, I mean, we're kind of recruiting and we're not winning and we're puffing our chests. And then I come out and go, hey, guys, I don't know if we should be like so excited about this. And MSU fans are like, what's your deal? You don't pull, you can jump ship now. I don't want to see you celebrate. I'm like, don't you remember like five years ago when Michigan would win 10 games every year? Sometimes lose to us. Sometimes they wouldn't. And they'd have top 10 classes and we'd go, ha, ha, ha you're so happy about the recruiting class. You're going to you're not going to do anything next year and we'll probably beat you. Do you remember that? I remember that. And now I look around and it's like, are we celebrating adding to the 43rd ranked class in the country coming off a five and seven season? Is that us? That's pretending like it's the big 10 championship. I, I fear becoming what I grew up loathing. You know what I'm saying? I fear becoming what the antithesis of Michigan State and Mark D'Antonio's Michigan State was. I fear becoming that. That's all it is. I love Michigan State. I believe in Mel. I want people to be happy. I want to celebrate. I don't want to detract from these kids, no matter how good or bad they are. I just fear doing the thing that we've always said was lame because it is lame. And it's even more lame when you're being a hypocrite. That's all. That's all. Go green, though. Fucking go green, though. Come on now. All right, folks. That's all I got today. This shirt, Detroit hockey, um, one of the earliest drops in the history. You know what? Let me stand up. Bang, one of the earliest drops in the history of the second string. We're going to start doing a little program there for the rest of the summer. All of my previous releases, some sports-related, maybe some not, every Wednesday, they're going to be available for a day, for that day. All of my most popular ones, you're talking the Michigan Big Ten Championship ones, both of them. You're talking about the Detroit one with all the mascots. You're talking about this Red Wings one, the other Hockey Town one, all of the Lions ones. They're going to be available for one day. It's the last time they'll ever be on sale. We're going into the new season. I'm going to have a new design for U of M, MSU for the Lions. Going to have a new design for the Wings. Going to have a new design for the Pistons. Um, this is this. It'll be every Wednesday. One of the old designs, one of the better sellers, one of the more popular ones. One day, get it. If not, gone forever. And then on the weekends, we'll do the new releases. Um, but until football starts, at least. Maybe I'll keep doing it through football, but until football starts, at least. So in honor of the Brinkett, that one's going to be up there. I'm also about to start working on a new the Brinkett design. So stay tuned for that. But other than that, that's all I got. Hope everybody has a great week. Hope you have a great weekend. I appreciate the support. I'll catch you next time.